Okay. Welcome to the Alien Pro Podcast. It's Sunday, July 16th, 2023. Again, we just uh, talked for about five minutes and re- realized we weren't recording anything. I'm Doug. This is Deb. We won't try to talk faster to make up time because we just got to start over. <laughs> How are you doing today? How was your shopping trip? Oh, my shopping trip was fine. Just fine. <laughs> She's not going to talk about the fact that she got flipped off by some old woman because she honked at her I for honked not turning. Because when the light, <laughs> you can make a right hand turn on a red light in California. <sighs> okay. Well, anyway, before everybody turns us off, um, episode nine of Serpo. Um, thank you again for everyone that have uh, listened to the um, episodes one through eight. I notice on the analytics that. There's been a lot of response on people jumping in at the latest episode going, oh, I haven't listened to the first one. So all the episodes are on uh, YouTube. If you want to see hi, your smiling face. Um, or on um, Spotify, Apple, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. We're on 63 of them. Whatever it is you listen to, we're on it. So um, thanks again. Thanks for the support. And um, we're going to start this episode with uh, we're discussing Carl Sagan's and uh, his involvement with the Serpo project. And um, he was brought in as a consultant on the Serpo project about a year later um, when he had to, of course, reconsider the skepticism. Sagan Sagan also locked horns on the same issue with well-known scientist UFO investigator Stanton Friedman, his classmate in physics in the University of Chicago in the late 50s or in the 50s. Um, even after his involvement with Serpo program in 1980, he wrote a section of the final report. He was still able to say in his bestseller Cosmos, published in 1985, we maintain that there is no credible evidence for the Earth being visited now or ever. He just, you he know. He doesn't. He doesn't believe. He doesn't believe, but I think he did uh, contact. He wrote Contact, right. remember? And I don't know if they're going to mention it here, if they already did. The Where Contact, uh, we'll mention again, the Contact, he wrote Contact with, uh, based on some what they say, as his involvement with uh, Project Serpo. Uh, he couldn't do the Serpo story, but he did something similar in Contact I loved, and I know you loved uh, because McConaughey was in it, no. not necessarily because it was a good story. Oh, he was in that with Jodie Foster? Yes, he was. Yes, he it's was. It's been a long time. Um, so there you go. We now know posthumously, I always get the big words, that Sagan really wasn't two-faced about... Oops. <laughs> go ahead. I love when you move my words. <laughs> Keep up. Keep up. Just up and down. He had to be skeptical about UFOs in public so as not to jeopardize his position in the astronomy department at Cornell, where he could not afford to appear to be unprofessional. Cornell relied heavily on government funding for its astronomy research, especially from NASA, and this could have been terminated has his real beliefs been revealed. Yeah, I mean, and it would be interesting if he was alive today. Unfortunately, he passed away. What was it? Blood? Blood cancer, bone cancer is horrible. Um, but today we're going to have disclosure. July 26th, the Senate hearings are coming about. And then um, there's a lot of discussion about that these days, um, allegedly. But we won't go into that. I've got a lot more episodes coming up with people that are really, well, we're all really excited. I know you're excited. I'm thrilled. You want to see those UFOs, do you? I really do. It, it kind of <laughs> it intrigues me when you ask people. I had another one last week that came by my desk and, uh, while I was working. And uh, I asked her, you know, the usual question, do you believe? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she said, she gave me the stock answer. Um, uh, yeah, I believe there's so many universes and planets out there, there's gotta be something alive, which equates to, I think you're wearing a tinfoil hat, Doug. <laughs> I won't quit asking the question, so. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be a MUFON, MUFON investigator. Aren't you excited? I'm so excited. I got my assistant that. right here. That's Deb. Yeah, I'm not. In the my head. assistant. I, don't I need somebody to take notes when I'm when I'm going through these investigations. I'm an actual investigator. You can't. can't yeah, you I can't. can't if you don't have a badge, you're not going to be able to go with me. Yeah. But MUFON said it's top secret, so I can't open it up. But here's the book. It's. I'm going to have to. Uh, I have a lot of studying to do. 
I have a special room that I use to uh, do my MUFON study. Yeah, the shed. So, <laughs> so uh, I'll be reading that book. I am serious about it. and uh, But they have a special investigator that I really, I, won't, I don't mind being a regular investigator, but I want to be the star, the star investigator. I want to go when the really good stuff happens, I want to be called out. Uh-huh. So I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to be studying and taking the test and hopefully I can pass it. You get three times and then you have to wait six months to take it again. So hopefully I can get it in three times. I haven't taken a test in quite a while. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll quiz you. You want to quiz me? Maybe there's flashcards. Yeah. Anyway, in reality, uh, Sagan was a member of the foreign of the Council on Foreign Relations. It's believed that he may have been a member of uh, MJ-12. Oh, wow. Um, his true interest in extraterrestrials was revealed in his blockbuster book, Contact, later made into a hit movie starring Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey, which we just mentioned. <laughs> Sagan was a man of many talents. He won the Pulitzer Prize for nonfiction in 1978 for his book, The Dragons of Eden. He has been immortalized in downtown Ithaca, New York, the home of Cornell with the Sagan Memorial Wall of Planets. Ironically, in the end, it was he, more than anyone else, who raised the public consciousness all over the world about the possibility of life on the billions and billions of other worlds. Like the person just told me. Yeah, so now it's kind of seeming like he kind of believes he's moved to that. But again, he's got a reputation. Even today, people are finding, I mean, sure, all these, you know, all these professors and everything are a little reluctant to come out and state how they, they're waiting for the facts. And when Bill's around, you know, he would, he would tell me, he goes, yeah, it's no, it's, you know, it doesn't exist. Until you tell me it does, until you show me that it does. So that's the way the professors think, and because you know, because he was one, and that's what. So I got an inside track on what how they think. Hmm. But he did it his way in terms of public perception. He had to walk a narrow path. Uh, he navigated it successfully, and he uh, can he continued his fame pretty well. The team commander's diary entry continues. EBE-2 came by after the feast. EBE-2 was concerned with 754. As I mentioned in one past entry, 754 became sick. But he has recovered. We don't know what he suffered, but 700 treated him with penicillin, which worked. We all have had some sort of sickness since we've been here, except 899. That guy is a solid rock. I've had stuff that had to be treated for penicillin, too. Yeah, it can be. Not me. You, oh, you're allergic, aren't yeah. you? What happens when you... Well, how'd they find out that you were allergic? Oh, they gave me penicillin when I was probably five or six, and I broke out in a horrible rash and got super sick. So I vaguely remember projectile vomiting all over a house at the babysitters. That's fun. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, and I guess... For her. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so she called, you know, back then it was, you know, call mom and get mom to take me back to Kaiser, and that's when... They discovered They that, figured out. Yeah. Yeah. No more penicillin for me. Wow. Um, 899 hasn't been sick, not even a cold. 706, 700, and 754 are keeping detailed records of each team member and their medical and physical condition. Yeah. Sorry about the numbers, but that's... I know. they should. We should have, in the beginning, just named we them. We should have renamed them, probably. <laughs> we, didn't want to, we didn't want to rewrite the book. Fred and Steve and George. Yeah, Fred and Steve, Paul. Uh, yeah, but it's, you know, um, they're, they equate to different members of the of the team. And it, it will allude to who does what. Um, and it has been as we roll along. And if you've listened to the other episodes, you're... Well, you the sevens know. are the doctors, right? I'm not sure. I thought that's what they said. 420 is the one that brought the pot right yes of course no there was no pot run but there is a 420 it was kind of interesting (laughs) we have tried to keep a steady physical fitness uh keep a steady physical fitness program since we arrived so somehow we follow it and uh sometimes we don't (laughs) like all of us but everyone is in pretty good shape at least physically mentally that might be another story some team members miss earth as i do but no team member has broke down or has needed any type of psychological help from, you're right, 700 or 754. So, yeah, that must yeah. be. Hey, you're, you're pretty good. You I know. Know. Our screening process was great. Keeping busy is our medicine. We keep extremely busy exploring and 
doing our uh, mission goals. How long can, I mean, you're exploring for 10 Damn you. Well, they're exploring the whole planet. They're going to go, we're going to go over this on this chapter oh, or this episode. So, so, yeah, they go all over their world. Well, I don't think they go, they, the northern and southern hemisphere in certain areas. This diary entry by the commander was made about three Earth years into the visit. Shortly thereafter, two of the team members he mentions died. The security man, 899, was the first to die on Serpo. Evidently, his death occurred suddenly sometime after this diary entry was made, wherein, ironically, the commander had said that he was a solid rock and hasn't been sick, not even a cold. Oh, Mr. Rock died. Well, it happens. I mean, we know people. It's like, ah, oh, that guy's the yeah. healthiest person I ever knew. And all of a sudden, healthiest person I ever knew are sometimes people that never go to the doctor because they're so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know anything's wrong with them. Anonymous gives a complete narration about the death of 899 and the attempt to revive him by the even doctors. When a first team member died in an accident, it was hard to communicate with the evens. The member died instantly, therefore no medical care was provided. Our two doctors examined the member's body and determined that the injuries were consistent with an accidental fall. He fell down the stairs. What a way to go. You go all the way out here. He fell down the stairs did he fall down the stairs yeah. there were no stairs there's no stairs on then Serpo. what are you falling off of? i don't know they have only ramps they just, talked about it a couple episodes did he ago. just trip they don't believe in stairs they have only ramps because they have those, <laughs> it's true they have those big floppy feet they don't do stairs <laughs> it's their feet initially they're falling all over themselves because they're too big initially the evens never interfered with our care or offered to provide any of their medical care however once the Ebens, a very benevolent and caring people, saw our team members crying. Well, they understood crying, huh? Yeah. The Ebens stepped in and offered to attempt some sort of medical care. They're faking it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, after they have that that lab where they're putting together all those monsters they're, they're, made, of, made of their team members. <laughs> making people. You just can't make that stuff up. Well, I guess you could. Well, yeah. Although our doctors felt the same team member was medically dead, oh, excuse me, felt the team member was medically dead, they allowed the Evens to try their own medical care. Most of this was uh, either th through sign language or speaking to the travelers who could understand some English. Why do they call them travelers? That's kind of weird. The Evens transported the team member's body to a remote area of the largest community. They took the body into a large building, apparently, apparently the hospital or medical center. Uh, the Evens used a large examination table to view the body. The Evens ran a large bluish-green light beam over the body. The Evens watched a display that appeared on a large screen that looked like a, a tele telephone television screen. The readouts were in the Eben language, and thus our team couldn't understand it. However, there was a graphic display similar to a heartbeat graph. The solid line was not wavering. That's not a good sign. No. Our doctors understood that meant the same thing that their equipment measured. The heart was not beating. The Ebens administered some liquid through a needle. Ooh. Some experiment. Yeah. Like, turn we're, him into we're one. We're gonna turn him into an Eben. One Eben's. of those bristly creatures yeah. that they saw with the face in his stomach or whatever. This was done several times. Eventually the heart started beating, but our doctors knew the internal organs of the body were damaged. Um, but couldn't fully explain that to the Evens. The Evens finally made a sign, placing both hands to the chest, bowing their heads. Our team members knew that meant the body was dead and nothing could be done. The Evens showed affection to our team. They're there. During that last work period, the Evens had a ceremony for the dead team member, the same ceremony used when an Eben died. Our team held their own service, attended by the Evens. I wonder if they got paid. Oh, they don't get paid to do anything. There's no money. We're a communist society. You know, this is kind of like the Star Trek society, remember, where mm -hmm. they're on the Earth, they're, well, on all the planets, and they don't really, they're on the ships, and I, it's like, okay, does Kirk not get paid any more than, like, the No, lowest? see, there was, it's, um, what's the latest, the Seth MacFarlane show? Mm. The Orville. The Orville. They yeah. they mention on there that, you know, remember a time when, because they travel back in time, and it's a time when, you know, money was used. Like, something. it's so very primitive that people would not just be provided with everything that people need. Wouldn't that be an interesting world where we didn't have to have any money? 
you just get provided. But there is going to be a class system. I'm convinced it, it's they're not just going to be like everybody gets paid the same well, and lives the same. On that ship, there's people that clean the ship and there's people that Run fly the ship. the ship. So yes, there is obviously still a class system, but it's you do. I mean, it's like the communist thing. You do according to your ability right. and you receive according to your needs. Unfortunately, you know, there's quite a few slackers that may not do to their abilities. <laughs> but do they get paid the same as the captain? That's the thing. But, but their quarters but are, I guess their living standards probably you, would be You different. have a nicer place to live, yeah. I there's guess, be a difference. because you're more important to There's society. somebody out there in, in the audience line that's screaming at the microphone about how we don't understand this. Oh, we're, <laughs> we're not that bright, just so, so everybody knows. There's, oh, there's a dog behind you. He's way back there. The Evans were extremely curious about a religious service. One team member who was acting as a minister uh, provided... Performed. Performed a a death service. Our team was eternally grateful for the Evans' caring attitude for our dead friend. The second death also occurred sometime shortly after the above diary entry about the feast was made by the commander. One of the doctors died of pneumonia. We know he was alive at the time that diary entry was recorded because both doctors are mentioned. But they had a cold. <laughs> well, they did. Remember, they said you know they 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 weren't they were bat- sick and then they got better. The COVID. It would be fair to conclude that it was 754 who died, since we learn in that entry that he had been sick and treated with penicillin by 700, the other doctor. Interestingly, it was EBE two who first noticed after the feast at 754 was sick and she was concerned about him she was concerned you don't like yeah you don't like uh, ebt do you eh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just, is it the female thing where you're just kind of like well i just feel like you know she's a little oppressive sometimes <laughs> ebens did die it is not surprising to find widespread and standardized religion religious observance in a police state as in mussolini's italy it is actually expected because usually encouraged by the ruling authority. After all, it's easier to keep citizens in line when they believe that the social rules and regulations come from some sort of supreme being. The fact that all evens were required to attend worship services every day at a designated time leads us to believe that this was another form of control by the ruling class, especially since it was uniform throughout the planet. Where there is freedom of belief, divergent opinions would be expected. We can't have any of that. Divergent opinions. No I mean, divergence. No even ever said, I don't want to do this. Or I, why can't I make something? You got your little cult leader Eben over on the side. Come you. worship me. Well, Einstein or whatever it was. Was it the smart one? The smart one? Yeah. Who spoke perfect English. From the following remarks by Anonymous, we learn about Eben religious customs. All of this information was taken from the debriefing documents. Ebens did die. Our team members saw deaths, some from accidents and some from natural causes. So they got old. And... The, you know, they didn't talk about him aging. Um, the Ebens buried the body similar. Yeah, it's like I don't find any old Ebens. <laughs> How do you tell? <laughs> How do you tell? There's no hair. You know, How usually the... you tell by, you know, like the you know, balding or what. How do you tell on an Eben? The... I don't know, they get wrinkled. <laughs> they kind of look old. You know, from I don't know. They just don't move as fast up the ramps. Well, and they said they they mature like super super fast because there was a baby born in it. You know, so they may have a very short lifespan if they mature that quickly. If they go from baby to toddler in weeks, then what was that movie where everybody had to be killed by thirty five? Remember, you remember that movie? Mm-hmm. It'll probably come to me in a minute. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. The Ebens buried the bodies similar to our method. Our team saw two air accidents involving the intraplanet flying vehicle. The Ebens worship. Well, they, they didn't go into detail on that. You, know, you want to hear about I want to hear about what happened. <laughs> the Ebens worshipped a supreme being. It appeared to be some sort of deity relating to the universe. They conducted daily services, normally at the end of the first work period. They had a building or church they entered as to worship. I wonder if they celebrate birthdays or, you know what I mean? Yeah, so how do they know how old they are? Of course, the, it's relative because of their time. Right. Yeah, they probably don't. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> they haven't mentioned a birthday cake yet. Our Any? team witnessed an aircraft accident that killed four Evens. The Evens performed a form of ritual at the crash site. Did they put up a little wreath and some... I, on where the crash site uh -huh. was? Like they do here? Across. The Evens... Trans some burning candles <laughs> with yeah. little pictures on the front. Yeah, those... those of the Even God. Cylinder glass candles <laughs> with, the, with the glitter on them, yeah. Did you buy at the dollar store? Wow. The Evens transported the bodies to a medical facility and examined the bodies. Our team members were always allowed to accompany the Evens, except during rest period, when the Evens closed their doors for privacy. Oh, you know, they were doing mm -hmm. stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, interesting because it's almost like they don't observe one day to the next only. It's like one run on. Right. Well, they have this, it's always light there. So it's not like there's a, a formal sun goes down, sun comes up. Well, there's a certain time of the day when it's ran full. At the end of the day, it's darker. Right. I mean, but they don't, it's almost like they don't. That's why they couldn't figure out if it's 10 years or 13 years. Well, they have the rest period, so what they consider that night, and then when they come up from there, when they stop their rest period, now that's a new day. Yeah. yeah they don't be. maybe don't call it night and but day. But they do it's it, of, like, throughout the course of the cycle. So yeah. There's two rest periods, I think. Oh, there? So okay. it's because their, quote-unquote, day is long, they don't want to work them too hard. Can I drink your water, please? Because I know you're not going to drink it. Our team members saw the sorrow in the eyes of the Evens during the death of their own. Later, after the last work period of the day, the Evens had a funeral. Oh, they yeah. After you work, you can have the funeral. Right. Oh, yeah. At least that is what our team concluded it was. The Even bodies were wrapped in a white cloth. Several types of liquids were poured over the bodies. Large numbers of Evens would stand in a circle, chanting. The sounds became almost nauseating to our team members. The ceremony lasted for a long time. Hmm. You would like that. kind of creepy. <laughs> I'm sure you, yeah. Finally, the bodies were placed in metal containers and buried in a remote location away from the communities. After the burial, the Evans had a feast. Large tables of food were brought out and everyone ate, danced, and played games. This occurred at every Eben death witnessed by our teams. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you know they they celebrate you know the death you know people right. will be so that's well it's kind of you know, whatever well, from the foregoing comments by anonymous we learn that the concept that death is as joyous release of the soul from the cares of physical existence may well be a galaxy-wide belief or this one little section of it anyway well that's this has come up lately as I read through. I'm a, now on Facebook UFO groups and paranormals and paranormal stuff, and they believe some believe that you. This is just a this binds us to the planet. You know, after you're dead, then right. your th other things happen. I don't know your soul or everybody wants to believe that. Yeah, you want to believe that it isn't just black. <laughs> and then you don't even well, know it's black. I don't, and not so much for myself, but even when you always think of the people that you've lost, you just always want to think that you your know, people and your pets. They're well, the pets especially. Yeah. Do they know we still love them? Anonymous tells us about the great. That's very uplifting. <laughs> no. Anonymous tells us about the Great War. Perhaps George Lucas knew about this piece of even history when he wrote Star Wars. Many hundreds of thousands of Evens died in the Great War. The Evens fought a battle with an enemy for a period of time. Our team members estimated the war lasted about a hundred years. But again, this is our time. Uh, yeah, so it's like know. three years. Oh, anyway, the, the war was fought using particle beam weapons developed by both civilizations. Wow. One must have been better than the other, apparently. The Evens eventually were able to destroy the animal enemy planet, killing the remaining animal enemy forces why, why can't i say that word Inima. animal Inima. the ebens did warn us that several other alien races within our galaxy were hostile the ebens stay away from those races we just don't play in that sandbox yeah that's what we just don't go we don't go over there when people are mean we stay we away. stay away and that's a good that's that's good to remember in life too <laughs> The debriefing document never stated the same of the enemy, probably because they no longer existed. This information helps us understand why the even military was so strong and dominant. 
Eventually, the aftermath of their great war left the populace traumatized and very willing to accept continuing military authority. Wow. I mean, they want that as why is why do they like that? Because it's they like the control. They, they feel like safe. The, yeah, they feel safe because they're they know they have a competent military. That's yeah. pretty good. Anonymous gives details about the history and the physical environment and characteristics of Serpo. Anonymous says Serpo was estimated to be about 3 billion years old. The two sons were about 5 billion years old, but only by estimation. The Eben civilization was estimated to be about 10,000 years old. Now they're a new, new, new yeah. group. They evolved from another planet, not on Serpo. The original home planet of the Evens was threatened with extreme volcanic activity. The Evens had to relocate to Serpo in order to protect their civilization. This occurred some 5,000 years ago. It's kind of like ours where we're just getting too many people. (laughs) We've got to find another planet to live. There's too much of us. Go find somewhere else to live. There was a period of darkness, but not total darkness. The Eben planet is located within a solar system of Zeta Reticular solar star system. I don't even know what that means. Two-fifth magnitude yellow double stars similar to our sun located near the large uh, megalelic cloud. You knew that. That's that's, that's deep, (laughs) Everybody got that? Yeah. Interesting. Um, The planet had two suns, but their angles were small and allowed some darkness on the planet depending on one's location. The planet was tilted, which allowed the northern part of the planet to be cooler. The uh, planet good. was a little less than Earth's size. The atmosphere was similar to Earth's and contained the elements of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen. Zeta Reticuli is approximately 37 light years from us. There were about 100 different villages or living locations for the Evens. The Evens only used a small portion of their planet. They did mine minerals in remote areas of the planet and had a large industrial plant in the southern portion of the planet uh, near a body of water. Our team determined this plant had some sort of hydroelectrical operation. Oh, see, there's electricity. Paul Mm -hmm. McGovern adds in his comment, there were small communities throughout the planet. There were underground rivers which fed into open valleys. Electricity, but no plugs. What's the good? What's the point? (laughs) If I can't plug in. They didn't have to charge their cell phones. Uh, Regarding the team's adaptation of the conditions on Serpo, Anonymous says, uh, once the team arrived on the even planet, it took them several months to adjust to the atmosphere. Uh, During the adjustment period, they suffered headaches, dizziness, and disorientation. The bright suns of the even planet also presented problems. Although they had sunglasses, that's a good thing, they still suffered from the bright sunlight and the danger of sun exposure. The radiation level of the planet was a little higher than that of Earth, and they were careful to cover their bodies at all times. That's kind of scary. What kind of sunscreen would sunscreen would you need? Like uh, SP, like one million? Yeah. <laughs> better, better than my 110 that I use. <laughs> Our team eventually relocated to the north in order to stay cool. The ground transportation used by our team was similar to a helicopter. The power system was a sealed energy device that provided electrical power and lift for the craft. It was very easy to fly, and our pilots learned the system within days. The Evens did have vehicles which floated above the ground and did not have any tires or wheels. They had hovercrafts. We've seen that new air car that was just Avro or yeah. no, not Avro that's the old one but there's one that just got developed and it's got it flies it's a flying car I saw that have you seen it's come through my what do you Facebook think? what do you think I think did you see the price oh uh, no is it 300 300,000 300,000 you want to get one I can't even imagine the mess that that's going to make. Can you imagine? People can't even drive cars. And they're, they're going to get... People flying through a car, Michael, is going to be The dangerous. problem is now we're going to have to worry about stuff flying, falling from the sky so and hurting us. So you have to look left, right, and left, up. Left, right, and up before you cross the street. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Paul McGovern adds the following information in his comment. The team was never isolated or restricted by the visitors. They could travel as they wished, see whatever they wanted to see, except during rest time. After about six years, the team was moved to a northern portion of the visitor's planet where the temperature was cooler. They had to wait six years to get cool and which contained ample vegetation. The visitors built a small community for the team. 
The exchange team had to endure extreme hardship adjusting to the environment of the visitor's planet. The heat was ex- extreme and took many years to adjust. Oh, God, I can't even imagine. It's interesting. To, there was a couple people. I'm going to do a spoil alert here. A couple oh. of them stayed behind when they left. Really? And um, I thought, why would you want to do that? You can't even have a hamburger anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you've been there 13 years and you got used to not having these things. No, but you want to come home and have some macaroni salad. Macaroni cheese, craft. <laughs> you're <laughs> with, such a With gourmet. jalapenos and trucked up tri-tip. You're such a gourmet. <laughs> I am. I'm not a foodie. I'm the opposite of a foodie. Some powdered cheese. <laughs> Heck yeah. But it's interesting because they, you know, they're they're comfortable in that they trust their military. I didn't. I was trying to. I had a thought on that, and yeah. I didn't. We go through went through a couple of sections, and I think what we're going through now with this disclosure thing is the, that um, a lot of people are comfortable knowing that even though we don't like our government, we know that we're kind of protected. Even though sometimes it's right. crazy, people are shooting each other, and it's nice to know. I mean, it's very important to trust whoever's in charge. But. Now, it, the possibility exists that there's other people pulling the strings. Yeah. You know, there's the government above our the the government, and there could be something else happening. I mean, how, wouldn't that... Um, I, it's been working, whatever's happening, but now if disclosure comes out, and now that the public could be aware of that, that we might get a little unnerved to the fact that this could be happening. I mean... You know, we're just better off if we don't know. You just, you just want to be ignorance is bliss, right? That's right. <laughs> I want to know. You need to know. I need to know. This, I'm getting on the inside of this thing. Anonymous describes even technology. The even has developed a different type of electrical and propulsion system. It was unknown to our team, and I don't think we ever really understood it. They were, they were still trying to figure it out with reverse <laughs> engineering. Uh they were able to tap into a vacuum and bring back an enormous amount of energy from that vacuum. That's that's one of the um, discussions about why we can't uh, duplicate their technology is that in the vacuum of space, mm-hmm. that they develop their technology in the vacuum of kind of like they just mentioned, right. of space, and we're unable to... Because we don't live in... We don't live in that. Space. Well, we kind of do, but we... Not. We, not in our Maybe atmosphere. some experiments are up there you know mm-hmm. in the space you know right. space station um that maybe we can do some experiments up there nasa you know and everybody's doesn't trust nasa or doesn't think or nasa knows something but they're no you know they're not talking they might be part of the uh you know the investigation of how to develop the, or the experiments on how to develop this propulsion system hmm. our team's living quarters which consisted of several small buildings, contained electric, electricity powered by a small box. This small box supplied all the power our team needed. Ironically, the electrical equipment our team brought on the trip worked using their power source only. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, and I was going to say about the guys that stayed behind, like we were talking about the food and everything, mm-hmm. but maybe it's like, you know what, I don't have to chase the dollar anymore. I'm just here and they provide. They and, feed me. And... But they would have to, I'm wondering if they now, you can't just sit here and. Well, no, they'd have to go into whatever the do, Ebens are doing. Like do a job. Um, the Ebens energy device was analyzed over and over again by our team. Since our team did not have access to scientific microscopes or other measuring equipment, we could not understand the function of the energy device. But, regardless of the electrical demand, the even energy device provided the proper current and wattage. So far, couldn't they recharge their clocks? Yeah, the clocks. <laughs> it, they're time but measuring it doesn't, devices. It doesn't charge because they ran out of batteries at some point. Our team surmised the device had some sort of regulator that sensed the required current or wattage and then supplied that specific amount. Note, our team members brought back two energy devices for analysis. Los Alamos actually had one of these energy devices in their possession as early as 1947. It was retrieved from the second crashed Roswell disc, but no one had any idea what it was. Also, all this time they'd had one, but until these guys went to Ebenland, nobody knew what it was. Yeah, one of the things Bill used to talk about is that um, he was thinking that... um, that these people would um, advance so far and so long 
and they their technology came from the stone age like us all the way to like right now we can't even work on our own car right i remember we used to change starters and alternators and i opened my hood i don't recognize hardly anything you know so um they've come so far that they don't know how to do a something basic like charging a battery right they wouldn't have that technology it's interesting uh, it wasn't until 1970 that they finally realized that it was some sort of power source, but they could not understand how it worked. Uh, then, when the Serpo team brought two of the devices back to Earth in 78, uh, experimentation was begun in earnest to understand how it functioned, and attempts were made to duplicate the technology. It was given the name Crystal Rectangle, or CR the for CR. Short. The CR. A small dot was visible in the CR that moved whenever an electrical demand was made on the device. After years of experimentation and research still ongoing, it was determined that the dot was a perfectly rounded particle of charged antimatter. I can just <gasps> think how we can't figure that out. Or, um, It's interesting. Anonymous continues, uh, the team also took electric razors, coffee pots, electric heaters, a DIM, where there's no explanation without, there was no explanation what that was, an electric IPM typewriter, remember those? Yep. Unfortunately, a scientific calculator, slide rules, both conventional and scientific, base data collection recorder, BDCR, uh -huh. three different size telescopes, tangents, both conventional and electrical. The list goes on and on, but they took about everything they were allowed to take as to weight. It's interesting. It's interesting how the kids um, don't know what a rotary phone, or they know what a rotary phone is, but they're like, oh my God. Well, can you imagine? I mean, I That's can't... only in a generation. It's only in one generation. I know. We used them up until we were teenagers. Yeah, I mean, I, it's... When my first apartment I had phones attached to the wall i think they were push button by then but they were still phones attached to the wall my first cordless phone was probably in like 1985 remember you had the the base and you, the little charger thing that was really exciting to get that yeah you know and it's we have all in the, throughout this house as we do different things i want to remove things but i have the phone there's phone cords phone lines yep all through this house and every time i think that Gee, I'd like to remove those. Another thought comes to mind that maybe if something happens with cell phones, we might need these. The landline, yeah. You know, so I'm kind of not, so you know, I'm kind of not taking those out. I know it's weird. I know. You could still plug. Just take it out. The new houses don't even have them in it. Yeah, you <laughs> could, we could plug a landline in. If, I, mean, I mean, I don't need to have one. We have one through cable. Remember, we told them we don't need that. Yeah, we have that. a phone number, but the... The last phone that was plugged into it died, and so we've never bought we another phone. We don't even phone. have a phone for that. It's interesting. I know. Um, regarding the weapons, there was a lengthy discussion about weapons. At the end, the Ebens didn't really care. Yeah, they're not afraid of us. So our team members decided to take some just in case. Not for a fight, God knows, as our team was vastly outnumbered, but for the safety aspects of it. Sounds like their military is pretty well trained. It's kind of like I was saying how benevolent they are, but... They don't tell where these guys were. They look like they're, it sounds like their guys are pretty well trained. But even though they didn't get, they just said they were mean and then says yeah. assertive. Well, not all mean evens are mean and assertive. They got to learn that somewhere. Right. Yeah, so, yeah we, we don't hear about any of the military even training. basic training. Yeah. And advanced infantry training. <laughs> Remember the 12 were all military members, so no weapons made them feel safe. Um. So, I'm sorry. So, I was going to say weapons. Made. So, <laughs> yeah. weapons made them feel safe. A side note, the only, they only took 50 rounds of ammunition per handgun and 100 rounds of ammunition per rifle. Um, do weapons make you feel safe? Having a gun here, does that make you feel safe? I think so. I think it makes you feel, especially when you're somebody who's always had one around all their life is going to just want to know it's there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because people are like, oh, we don't need, you know, these people and the guns in the houses. And they even have a thing I saw in the news where when you drop your, if your kid has a play date at a right. house, you should ask. Right. Is there a gun here? Kind of like peanut allergies. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I don't, it seems like a personal question, but on the other hand, 
it makes sense. Well, is the gun secure? It's is the it, gun. But, yeah, that's and the you know, and I'll, I mean, I'm going to go out there and say the biometric gun safes are the best. Yeah. You know, you know, the was, ones where you just put your hand on it and it knows you. I was because if somebody breaks into your house, yeah, yeah, I know. So that's that the, code. Yeah, is you're going to be nervous and you're going to want to get. You know, it's the next best thing to having it in your hand right now. I was at a friend's house one time when he had four-year-old twins, and he they did he was divorced, and we would go over there. My boyfriend and I would go over there and hang out and help him take care of the kids. And you know, I'm so good with children. And <laughs> that's another story. One of the kids, <laughs> the kids ball rattled under the couch, so I went to grab it. And I put my hand under the couch and I pulled out an Uzi. Oh <laughs> hell yeah! I, uh, excuse me. Yeah. This is, oh, oh, I forgot that was there. Yeah, so, it's. Yeah, yes, you do have to make sure that the kids are not going to. Yeah, I was in a, I was, um, when, after my first divorce, I was at a house that I shared with, I rented the house and I sublet the, the rooms out to other people who was there. And um, we had a, we had a hairdresser there. And then we had a guy that uh, ran a landscaping company. Um, you know, but he rented a room because he had a party and type lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And we're there. I rented out, I took the garage and converted it to a room. It had a wood burning fireplace and it was kind of nice. So we'd be down there, you know, hanging out. And uh, uh, my oldest son came down. He was probably four at the time. And he walked down and he's there was probably six of us hanging out down there and he walks down he's got an uzi from the the landscaper guy had an uzi and you're everybody needs here's, one here's my oldest son walking and he walks down and you kind of walk down and we all look <laughs> and everybody just immediately dove for cover because you know it's right. got it's you know yeah i mean a little you literally could have wiped us all out yeah and so we um you know i'm Okay, give me. <laughs> Stop. Stay right there. Don't okay, panic. don't move. Don't point the gun. Don't and drop I the took, gun. You know, and I brought it back up to the landscaping guy's room. He's not there. He just left and yeah. left his room open. And well, the kid wandered in and. It's a gun. It's a toy. Yeah. 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 It's. Okay. Uh, All right. Up, up, oh, up. Yeah. I'm right there. All the information in this section took up the entire seventh email posting by Anonymous. It was sent on November 17, 2005. Our team contained two geologists. They were also cross-trained as biologists. And the first thing our geologists did was map the entire planet. Wow, the whole planet? Yeah. The first step was to divide the planet in half, uh, creating an equator. We need that. Then we established a northern hemisphere and a southern hemisphere. Within each hemisphere, they created four quadrants. Finally, they established the north and south poles. This was the easiest method to study the planet. Most of the Eben communities were placed along the equator. However, there were some communities north and south of the equator in each of the four quadrants in the northern hemispheres. Yeah, they've had some that were actually a lot more cooler, a lot cooler. A lot Yeah, that's where I'd be. You know, that's probably where they want to be. Take me where it's cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There were no communities located in either poles. The southern pole was desert. It was barren land with virtually no precipitation, where absolutely nothing grew in this area. There were volcanic rock formations, and part of the extreme south contained a rock desert. Temperatures in the south pole were measured at between 90 and 135 degrees. Going further north from the South Pole in Quadrant Run 1, the team found extrusive rocks. This indicated some volcanic activity in the area. Our team found numerous volcanoes in this area. The team found several fissure eruptions in this region with standing water. The water was tested and contained high levels of sulfur, zinc, and copper, and other unknown chemicals. Moving from east to Quadrant 2, the team found basically the same volcanic fields of rocks. However, in one particular location near the north end of Quadrant 2, the team found an alkali flat. On Earth, these were formed by streams flowing into a desert or arid location. Our team found hard mud covered by alkaline salts. Some vegetation was growing in the area. 
that meant there was probably salt water there at some time, I'm guessing. Moving to quadrant three, the team found a form of badlands, an arid region that is lined with deep gullies with sparse vegetation. The gullies are valleys were extremely deep, some going down 3,000 feet. Don't wow. fall. Yeah, be careful. You see how many people die each year in the Grand Canyon? I know. It's like 15 people a Isn't year die. Crazy? It's not all fall. It's, I thought, do they just fall in? Yeah. But they don't. It's, there's heat stroke, and it's every by snake bites. And, right. You know, it's just kind of weird. Um, oh, look at that. I what know. What happened there? Be careful. The team found that first Serpo animal. Uh, found Serpo animal? Serpo animal. Uh-oh. It looked like an armadillo. Aww. Very pedible. Oh, no. This creature was extremely hostile and tried to attack <laughs> the team several times. Back. The even guide used some sort of sound device, uh, sonic direct, a sonic-directed sound beam to scare the creature. Move. Oh, I have one of those for the dog. A little laser, that little sonic yeah, thing. He doesn't like that. Oh, I know, but I lost it. Yeah. I, I swear to God, he stole it. He did it. something with it. It was, <laughs> it was in my pocket when I went to the river, and yeah. it wasn't in my pocket when I got home. He's smarter than you think. Yeah, I know. A little pickpocket. Moving to the equatorial region, our team found desert-style landscapes, which contained patches of vegetation. The team found numerous pockets of water fed to the ground by artesian wells. This water was the freshest, containing only the unknown chemicals. Uh It tasted good, and the Ebens drank and used it. Our team still boiled it because during culture tests, unknown types of bacteria were detected. Yeah, you don't want to get Montezuma's revenge. (laughs) Get dehydrated. That's bad. Moving to the northern hemisphere, the team found a major change in climate and landscape. One team member who had coined it Quadrant One in the Northern Hemisphere named it Little Montana. Of course he did. The team found trees similar to the evergreen style of Earth. Oh, that sounds nice. Earth trees. These trees were milked. Well, milk them. <laughs> were milked by the Ebens. A white fluid was extracted and drank. Numerous other type of vegetation were found in this region. Standing water, possibly by, fed by either artesian wells or fissure eruptions, were found. In one area marshlands were seen large plants were observed growing in the marshy area the ebens used these plants for food the bulb of the plant was very large the bulb tasted something like a melon something like a melon like a melon our team eventually moved to an area in quadrant one in the northern hemisphere this area contained moderate temperatures 50 to 80 degrees i'm that's all that's my wheelhouse right there it's always spring and ample amounts of shade the even we could use a little of that here. Yeah. The Evens built a little community for the team. Most of the remaining exploration of the planet was done from this point. That was their home base. The team only explored the southern ha- hemisphere once, obtaining geological it's information. Too hot. Because of the intense heat, the team decided not to venture back. We're not going back there. Yeah. The team continued to explore the northern hemisphere, where, as the team traveled towards the North Pole, the temperature cooled considerably. Yeah, we call the hot region the Sacramento region. Yeah, today we do. (laughs) The team found mountains raising to an elevation of 15,000 feet and valleys that sank below the basic mark the team established for sea level. Lush green fields were found containing a form of grass but contained bulbs. The team coined these fields clover fields forever, uh, even though the bulbs were not clover. (laughs) The radiation levels were lower lower in the northern hemisphere than at the equator and southern hemisphere. The North Pole contained cold weather, and the team saw the first sign of snow. Blankets of snow littered the landscape around the North Pole. The snow measured about 20 feet at its deepest. That's some snow. Uh, oh no. Can you? So they don't talk about can you melt it and and drink it and no, drink it? I don't know. They don't talk about. It's probably going to be have to be boiled. Detail like that because it should be the. The groundwater goes up and the groundwater you, goes down. Yeah. The water cycle, you know. The temperature was a constant 33 degrees. Our team never found the temperature to vary in this region. The Ebens could not stand to be in the region for very long, and neither could I. <laughs> it's too cold. <laughs> they suffered extreme hypothermia. Yeah, well, it's cold. The team's guide wore a suit similar to a space suit with built-in heaters. Oh, you That's need, what I'd need. You need you one of those. Hell yeah. Our team found evidence of past earthquakes, Fault lines were found along the northern tip of the southern hemisphere. Exfoliation was observed along with extrusive rocks, which indicated magma flows in the past. 
Our team brought back hundreds of samples of Serpo soil, vegetation, water, and other items for testing on Earth. During our team's exploration, they discovered numerous types of animals. The strangest was the beast, the which beast. looks like a large ox. The animal was timid and never seemed to be hostile. Not like that little armadillo thing. No, a friendly little armadillo. Another animal looked like a mountain lion, but it had long fur around its neck. This animal was curious, but was not considered hostile by the Evens. During the exploration of Quadrant 4 of the Southern Hemisphere, the team found a very long and large creature that appeared to be a snake. This creature was deadly, as explained by the Evens. The head of the creature was large and contained almost human-like eyes. This, <laughs> this was the yeah. only time, I wouldn't like that. This was the only time the team used the weapons and killed the creature. Isn't it funny that whoever creates all that this the evil thing is a snake yeah oh that's interesting yeah it's like adam and eve well i Didn't mean eat an apple everybody you know snakes are so considered so very scary and evil that when they have to make the most vicious of the creatures they make it a what snake. i found interesting is they only found, mentioned like four different kinds of there's like hardly any bird there's a bird's like one kind of bird and there's or whatever there's here you have millions of different kinds right. of creatures they've on got Earth. four and they've got they only mention i mean i'm sure there's more I'm, who knows if this is science fiction but they only they don't go into a great detail as right. to what the types of animals are there like you know darwin like when darwin, he, darwin when he hit yeah. the galapagos islands and what they probably i imagine if this were real that would be a very different scientific report about all the flora and fauna you know the Evans didn't appear to be upset that the team killed the creature, but was upset that they used a weapon. The team brought four 45 caliber Colt handguns and four M2 carbine rifles. The um, They didn't bring very much ammunition. No, so you can't be <laughs> so wasting you, you it on snakies. Well, I would have. Would you? Well, if it's vicious, yes. I'm going to blast that. I don't want that. Make sure that thing doesn't, because you're probably camping out. Because if it's if it's me, what they yes. say it was 15 feet long. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, and uh, after killing the creature, the team dissected it. The internal organs were strange and nothing similar to a Earth-style snake. The creature measured 15 feet long and one and a half feet in diameter. That's a big snake. It's like tremors. The the team was curious about the eyes. Examination of the eyes revealed cones similar to those found in human eyes. The eye contained an iris, and the back contained a large nerve similar to the optic nerve feeding into the creature's brain. The brain was large, much larger than any earth-based snake. The team wanted to eat the meat from the creature, but the Ebens guides politely told them, No! Tastes like we chicken. Know, we know eat the snake. Tastes like chicken. Well, they don't eat anything good. How would they? I, there must be a reason they don't eat it. It may make you sick or something. The bodies of water on Serpo did not contain fish. That's, I'm like, there's no fish? It's weird. As we know them. Oh, some bodies near the equator did uh, contain strange-looking creatures, similar to eels, small and about 8 to 10 inches long, and was probably a cousin of the land-based snake. Oh, that's fun. <coughs> there was something like a jungle near the marshlands, but... Not the jungles that we're familiar with. The following posting by Anonymous in release 10A on December 8th of 2005 was in reaction to having listened to a coast-to-coast radio interview of Richard Rick, Rick Doty, Doty, a retired special agent of the Air Force of the Special Investigations, and Bill Ryan, the Serpo website creator about Project Crystal Knight the previous evening. Yes. I'm friends with Rick Doty on Facebook, and you know I'm going to be mentioning it to him. Oh, I'm yeah. going to send him a DM. <laughs> hey, was Serpo really real? I did listen to the entire show. Never heard this guy, George Norrie, before. Oh, wow. But he seemed to be an open-minded narrator. And for me and my D, this Doty commenting, me and my DIA colleagues were very pleased. The show caused a lot of buzzing in the halls of the DIA. Ryan and Rick, oh, Bill Ryan and Rick Doty both did an excellent job. I was hoping you, Victor Martinez, might just show up and add your own comments since you know more about me than anyone else as, as well as the program, but I guess that wasn't possible. I called Mr. Blank this morning, the 
ex-USG official who is managing the controlled release of Project Serpo for public consumption. Yeah, he's the U.S. government it's all in official. Cap. Do you know yeah. there's, there's like a nerve in the top of your foot that you can smack on this bar stool and cause immense pain to your foot? <laughs> that sounds fun. I, I, just, I just smacked it just right yeah. and it hurt. You ever notice that I wear uh, I shoes? Wear shoes. No, the... it's not the bottom, but I smacked the That's top nice. of my foot. Oh. I know. We found a new nerve. Um, Robert said these chairs, chairs look like torture devices. He didn't say they look very com comfortable. Oh, I don't know. I thought they were fine. I found some discrepancies about the animals mentioned on the show. The armadillo-like creature was not aggressive. It just scared the team members. The even guy directed some type of sound, very high-pitched at the armadillo. I guess he's, this is Dodie talking yeah, about he's... it. The armadillo creature and scared it away. These creatures were seen at several locations around the planet. Some were larger than others. They were not aggressive. Only the snake-like creature was aggressive. Snakey. Snakey was aggressive, which forced the team to kill one. The snake-like creatures were located in just one location, and the team never saw another one. Yeah, I would kill it, too, because you're, like, camping, and yeah. you don't want that 15-foot-long snake. To, that would yeah, be... that's a big snake. Yeah, you don't... Uh, it's like, nah, I'm sorry. I've held a snake that big. You have? Mm -hmm. It didn't have a head. They didn't talk about its teeth or anything. It did not have human eyes. The human eyes, and did it have fangs? And yes. What did it have? It was a Burmese python. I mean, don't they bite? They can, but they usually don't. As for birds, there were two types of flying creatures. One resembled a hawk, and the other looked like a large flying squirrel. Neither were aggressive, and the team could never catch one for examination. I mean, maybe we could eat one. It's hard to catch a squirrel. They're squirrely. They shoot it. <laughs> well, that would destroy it. As for insects, they had small bugs similar to cockroaches. Cockroaches are everywhere, but smaller. They were harmless, but did get into the team's equipment. They had a hardened shell with a soft interior body. The team never observed any flying insects, such as flies, wasps, etc. Several other small bugs were found in identified so no flying insects that's interesting you like that you I don't know. have to have you no, know, no mosquitoes no swatting <laughs> they didn't know the word swat the team commander knew that they were absorbing high levels of radiation and spoke about it in a diary entry previously quoted a comment received on november 15 2005 discussed the radiation problem and here it is one thing that concerned me concerns me is the radiation the team was receiving. I would think the team had some sort of radiation detection equipment. Back then they had radax. We also had do dosimeters. I'm sure each team member wore one and must have read it periodically. I'll be reading that thing every second. Yeah. Well, dosimeters tell you immediately if you're in a, okay. getting lethal, well, not lethal, but dangerous doses of radiation. Knowing this was a military mission, you know, that's like in Skinwalker. Right. Yes. Which is all Gotta true. have it. Gotta have it. Someone must have been designated a health monitor, probably the physicians. If the team realized they were receiving large doses of radiation, why didn't they bring this to the Evens' attention? If the Evens were so benevolent, then they must have provided some form of protection to the team members and provided them with an anti-radiation pill or something. Like there's an anti-radiation pill. Or once the team received the maximum dose, why didn't the Evens bring them home? One of my former colleagues thinks the radiation could be something different in another wavelength, and thus our team members didn't register that particular radiation dose. Yeah, the ones that came back, I mean, most of them died of cancer. Most, if not all of them, that actually got back to Earth, they died of, they all died of cancer. The fact that the radiation level was lower in the Northern Hemisphere was another reason they decided to remain in Quadrant Run, Quadrant One. It makes sense that the radiation levels would be lower in a location that received less direct sunlight. The team stayed in Quadrant Run 1 God, for the remaining seven years of their sojourn on Serpo. However, that didn't solve the radiation problem. You want me to read the last sentence? Yeah. Anonymous says, each team member received a large dose of radiation during their stay on Serpo, and most of the team members died later of radiation-related illnesses. So coming up, um, we're going to wrap this one up pretty uh, good time there mm -hmm. and um, the next episode is going to be dealing with return after we talk about the return um, there's some other uh, there'll be some other chapters and then we'll drop to I'll look into the serpo.com so again if you read the book if you want to read the book absolutely pick it up and read it um, the secret journey to planet serpo 
and um, or serpo.org excuse me serpo.org is the uh, is the um, website where you can look and it talks about a lot more than just this and uh, we'll probably at the end talk some more as I fill in episodes um, between our other guests we'll uh, we'll talk about that so um, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the alien probe podcast we welcome questions comments or requests to alien probe podcast at gmail.com visit us on facebook check us out check out our website alienprobe.net twitter and instagram we're uh, a little more active on twitter now that i'm starting to Good understand job. it a little more uh there's a qr code that you'll find on um i've put it on facebook so all you do is scan the qr code and you'll get the audio episodes and uh, you'll be able to check it out like that go listen to all your favorite serpo episodes check out youtube like and subscribe at alien probe podcast thanks for joining me again deb thank you and we will see you next time all right thank you sweaty sweaty thighs you